0: Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Have you ever felt stuck? Like you know that God is calling you to something, but you just can't get going? Well, if so, you are going to love today's episode. My guest today literally wrote the book on Christian productivity, two of them, in fact. Matt Perman is the author of What's Best Next and How to Get Unstuck, Breaking Free from Barriers to Your Productivity. Today, Matt is going to share practical tips to help you be more productive in the things that matter most. Now you'll be able to access all the show notes for today's episode at donsadlercom slash zero three four. Now in just a moment, I'm excited to introduce you to Matt. But first, here's just a reminder that the Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by Avidoc Coaching. We give business owners, career professionals, and ministry leaders the tools they need to create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals so they can walk in their calling with clarity and confidence. You can sign up for our free weekly coaching emails at avadacoachingcom slash subscribe. Also, has the Your Purpose Calling podcast been helpful in your business, career, or ministry? I would love to hear about it. Leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes and help us build a community of people who are passionate about living out their faith at work. I love reading your comments and I love hearing about the different guests and how they've impacted your own business, career, or ministry. But for now, let me introduce you to my friend, Matt Perman. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Don. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So this uh, this particular episode is so incredibly overdue. We've been talking about doing it forever, and so I'm so excited that it's finally worked out. Um, So for everyone who does not yet know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, well, my name is Matt Perman, and right now I'm Director of Career Development at King's College in New York City, and I love it. I've been here just coming up on a year, and before this, going back uh, many years, I worked for John Piper at Desiring God Ministries in Minneapolis, Minnesota for about 13 years where I ran the web department and then ran strategy, and it was just an amazing experience. And during that time, I lived in Minneapolis, but I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, which is just south of Minnesota there. And now I'm living in New York City on the Upper West Side, and I just love it.
0: Yeah. So I'm so excited to have you here because you and I've known each other for a little while now. And I always like to talk a little bit about how we got connected um, just for our listeners. I think it's fun to see how God connects different people. But um, you, a, a friend of mine had recommended your book, your first book, "What's Best Next to Me," and so I had you come out and speak to Visionaries, which is our business community at Liberty Church uh, when I was running that, and we got to know each other and became friends. And then your second book came out, and I did a community group on it, and like it's just I, I feel I feel like we're old friends, and it all centers around this really great work that you do to help Christians be more productive in their life so that they can do the things that God is calling them to do. And I know that we're so aligned on that, Um, but you have so much wisdom and so much, um, just really so much encouragement and inspiration to share. And I know as you do, how many people struggle with this. So just start by telling me, how did you end up getting into into this topic or this area of productivity for Christians? What problem did you see that you wanted to solve?
1: Yeah, I kind of stumbled into it. I I didn't plan on getting into it. When I was in college, I started reading theology and really loved it, enjoyed it, systematic theology especially. And then I went to seminary, but also started working at Desiring God while in seminary and then became full-time after. And I got into this because I actually realized I needed it there was another guy at the ministry that enjoyed reading leadership books. And so he introduced us to some great books he was reading, including Good to Great by Jim Collins and Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I read both those books and I thought, these are amazing. Um, They're as fun to read as theology. And I also came to see that it was – hard to accomplish excellence in my job because there was so much to do. It was hard to keep track of everything and prioritize and all of that. And I saw these books could help. So I decided to start reading as much on time management and business effectiveness as I had on theology in order to address my own needs. And it was great. I was able to develop a productivity system that helped me get things done, be more effective, have more peace of mind. And because I've always planned on writing some books, I started thinking about this in terms of, well, how can I teach these things to others that I've been learning? And I looked around and I saw while there were these great secular books on productivity and effectiveness, there was almost nothing written from a Christian perspective. So I decided, well, there's a gap. I want to help fill that gap. So that's why I decided to write what's best next, my, write my first book on productivity from a gospel-centered point of view.
0: How is productivity different from a secular view versus a Christian perspective? What are the differences?
1: Yeah, well, there are some great differences, but the first really neat thing is that it's it's not, that there's a lot of common ground and commonality, which I think is something sometimes some people can be surprised by because they can think a, a Christian perspective is just going to be totally different. And the first thing I, I do is find and affirm all the good and amazing things from common grace that's that are in the secular books. And there's just so much overlap. But then in terms of differences, from a biblical perspective, there are two big changes first our motives and then our foundations so when it comes to motives we're able to have the highest possible motive of glorifying god in the things that we do and obviously secular books on productivity don't go there because they're not coming at this from a god-centered point of view so that's left out and of course you can't blame them for that because Their purpose is not to write uh, from a biblical or religious point of view. However, I argue in the book that if we want to be ultimately productive, it really matters that we take God into account because he's the ultimate judge of productivity and we will give an account of our lives to him on the last day. And so really that actually redefines the whole meaning of productivity uh, because the Something's not productive in an ultimate sense if it doesn't last forever. And what things will last forever is the things that God approves and that God wants. And that means motives count and we need to do things for him and we need to do things that he wants us to do. So we need to let God define productivity for us, which is just amazing that reorients so many things, especially our motives. Now we need to do things for his glory and the good of others. What's really neat is in the secular books, there is a good emphasis on doing things for the good of others. It, the business research from the last 50 or so years has come to see that business cannot be a selfish endeavor. Actually, it's harmful to your career and business if you operate from selfish motives. But if you have other centered motives and pursue purpose as well as profit, you'll actually be more effective. And I think that's a very biblical perspective. Uh, I I just love that overlap. I find it so fascinating and, and encouraging. But we can also go a step further and say, well, the reason we're to seek the good of others is because they're in the image of God and thus have worth because of being in his image and because God is their creator. So we want to treat everybody well because ultimately that's, A reflection on how we view God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so many places that we can go from here. I think I want to start with what is this? Um, I want to, I want to get to your most recent book unstuck and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but for somebody who's listening to this, who is in a finance job or a teacher or any number of things, what are some, what are some ways that practically they can approach productivity in their current Job from a Christian perspective. What does that look like when it's the beginning of their day and they're setting their to do list? Um, how, how would you how would you define mm-hmm. that?
1: Yeah, here's two big practical pieces there. First, when you're looking over ahead to your day, creating your to do list, pray as you do that. It seems so simple, but the Bible actually connects prayer and planning quite often. And what an amazing opportunity the things that we need to plan for our day are above all the most important things we should be praying about. So integrate prayer with your planning. Again, I know that seems so simple, maybe almost cliche, but so powerful. It really is essential. And it is really wonderful that it's not complicated to do that. So we have a very simple tip right there. And then second, when you're figuring out your to-do list for the day, allow biblical priorities and values to govern your choices about what you will do now what i mean by that especially is because that can seem vague so to get concrete what i especially mean are the biblical values of justice and mercy so be on the lookout not only for things that are going to help you immediately in your career or advance yourself or make you look good but also be on the lookout for the needs that other people have, who is maybe in a disadvantaged situation that needs some help and find ways to be of help to those people. That is a strong biblical emphasis because of course, that's what Jesus did for us. We were in need, we were lost in sin and he helped us. And he says, since I've done that for you, now go do that for others. And it's a beautiful thing. We don't just have to do that through volunteering at church or soup kitchens, we're supposed to bring that ethic into our work. And so make it concrete. When you are creating your to-do list for the day, think about justice and mercy.
0: So tell me some examples of that. What would be some examples of how I could be thinking about justice and mercy um, just in my day-to-day? Is that thinking about maybe the coworker who's having a hard time uh, in their personal life and taking them to coffee? Is it supporting the bot? I mean, tell me me some practical examples of that.
1: Yeah. Well, it is all of those things. It it, it pertains to things that maybe – aren't directly a result of work someone's going through a hard time so you talk with them and listen to them at lunch. Mm-hmm. There are also things you can do that are part of your work itself. For example, if you notice that if, let's say your're manager and you notice that some of your employees are not performing very well, instead of thinking to yourself first, oh maybe they're lazy or they aren't good employees, ask yourself a, a question like did I train them properly?" Did I provide the information and training that they need to really excel in their work? Don't skip that question. And even if you feel like you have trained them sufficiently, ask, well, actually, is there more that they need to know? And then sit down and talk with them and provide the training and resources that can help them get better. And a lot of times, that's going to make a big difference. Not always. Sometimes it is something else. But- giving people the benefit of the doubt, and caring about things like training. Again, this is something that seems so simple, but there are so many organizations where we just throw people into things and expect them to figure it out on their own. And sometimes that works, but I think a much more biblical way is to actually care in more detail about things like training. Another example is to uh, use like... Patrick Lencioni has great things on organizational health. And he argues there the best competitive advantage is a healthy organization. Well, how do you get a healthy organization? And he argues it's very simple be clear on your purpose and constantly communicate that purpose to your employees so everybody sees meaning in their work. Now, there's more to organizational health, but that is really a key part of it. And again, notice about this you're serving people in the work, not simply adding something on top of the work, like a, a, a an empathetic ear over lunch, you're making the work itself more meaningful to them by showing how it matters. That up, uplifts the, perp- the person and, and gives them a greater sense of fulfillment in their work and it actually leads to higher productivity. So these are the types of things, the, the type of mindsets from a biblical perspective you can bring into your work itself. Um, One last example is networking is a really important part of career success. And networking is really all about this, finding people you can help. So for example, if a coworker lets you know they're having a, um, a hard time figuring something out, they got a complex problem, you might know what they need to know. Even though it's not part of your work itself, you might know what they need to know to solve the problem. So. Spend some time with them sharing what you know. Or you might know a person you can put them in touch with that can be the solution to their problem. Well, don't just say, well, it's their problem. I'm going to ignore it. Actually put them in touch with your contact who can provide value to them. It's these types of mindsets of helpfulness that really go to the heart of the biblical ethic.
0: I feel like, so those are so such great examples. Thank you so much. I feel like all of that really comes under this umbrella of servant leadership. Do you think that's true?
1: Oh, yes, it does. I love servant leadership. And I totally agree with that. And I've actually, maybe for a future book, I've been trying to come up with a framework where I can put all this together into like a single framework. So it's easy to remember and see the examples. And I think servant leadership probably is that framework because the emphasis is on being a benefit to other people, not first yourself. I I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I, I want to talk about your book because this is really... Um... Your most recent book is How to Get Unstuck, Breaking Free from Barriers to Your Productivity. And again, it is from a Christian perspective. I think productivity for me, and and I'd love your thoughts on this. I think that it's such an important thing uh, for me because I, I meet so many people who know that they are called to something specific. And you and I have talked about this, but they feel stuck in fear, doubt, and overwhelm. And I feel like productivity is sort of that thing that's not talked about as much in the conversation around calling. Um, You know, we've got this big God-sized vision. Well, now what? And productivity is the thing that enables us to sort of put one foot in front of the other and move toward that calling and getting that big thing and organizing and prioritizing so that you can realize those goals. Do you think that, do you see it the same way or do you see it differently?
1: Yeah, I do. Ab- absolutely, productivity—it's what enables you to move forward, cross the gap between vision and reality. And it is weird that it doesn't receive a lot of emphasis in Christian circles. We do talk a lot about developing a vision and the the doctrine of vocation, even calling and do your work for the glory of God. And but there isn't a lot that gets very practical. And I don't totally know why that is. I suspect one reason is it's actually hard to learn about productivity and learn about it enough to teach it. It's a very sophisticated subject. There is a lot going on in it. I've found it more difficult to learn productivity than a lot of central Christian doctrines like the Trinity. Probably some of that is because we've had thousands of years to reflect on things like the Trinity and so forth. But productivity was was tough to figure out. But there's been so much good work done and there's so much that we can learn. And it really is the next step, really in the faith and work conversation, which is doing a good job of giving people a theological framework. But we need to get practical, show them how to move forward, how to get things done, how to unleash their potential. And that comes not just from good intentions. It comes from a method. And there are actual methods that can help us accomplish our vision and get unstuck.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's start with what are some of the reasons that people get stuck in the first place?
1: Yeah, I sum it up to about three. Mm-hmm. The first one, and we can just maybe talk about them briefly one at a time. The first one is sometimes people don't know what they want to do mm-hmm. or where they want to go. Uh, that's comes from not, have, not having clarity on your vision. hmm And I think probably a lot of people have experienced that. And that can be a a big challenge. So that's the first one. Then the second is you might know where you want to go, but not know how to get there. So this goes to process. What steps do I need to take? How do I manage all this information? How do I organize the steps That's process. And then the third is obstacles in the way. You might know where you want to go. You might know how to get there, but for example, you're always distracted by YouTube or interruptions in the office or social media, or you have really difficult challenges. Maybe you deal with chronic pain or maybe there's financial obstacles all sorts of types of obstacles that can get in the way. And we learn how to, we need to learn how to address each of those specific obstacles.
0: I think that's great. I do want to dive into these. I want to start with the first one about, um, we don't really know what the vision is. I think that sometimes, and feel free to disagree with me, but I think sometimes vision is communicated as sort of a one-time thing, right? We're sort of one Mm -hmm. and done. Um, But actually we will face several seasons in our life where we need to develop new vision, right? Like life takes a left turn, something we didn't expect, or we have a new opportunity that we didn't see before. And so that's an ongoing thing, right? Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I do agree. Um, life, there are seasons to life and we should really have a vision for each season. And Mm -hmm you can kind of look ahead throughout your life and kind of in advance, develop a vision for each season that you see coming up. But also when you get into each season, that's when you're really in the best position to really clarify your vision for that specific season. But then also, like you say, there are things that come up unexpectedly. And whenever something like that happens, it's time to refine your vision, revise your vision. I recommend doing something like every three months, taking a closer look at the long-term issues in your life. So at the level of vision and then especially every year. And then there are great opportunities when a decade changes. So the decade is going to be ending here in six months. We're going to be switching over to 2020. I recommend really for anyone to really take this opportunity to reflect back on the last 10 years of your life and what you want for the next 10 years. Like points like this are just really gold mines or something about them dan pink has a book on this on 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 timing they're really opportunities to reflect revise take stock of where you are where you want to go and by the way don't wait till december 29th to do this start now it vision is something it it takes time to develop it takes time to refine it it's not something you can just sit down in a couple hours and have figured out it takes there's incubation, there's it's nonlinear. I'd start the process now.
0: Okay, well, you just depressed me by reminding me that we're coming to the end of a decade. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Um, and you're right. We'll return to my interview with Matt Perman in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Avada Coaching. And I have a free gift for you you can download our free daily planning tool, The Peak Page, to make it easy to plan your time, your tasks, and your goals each day. If you love this episode, you will love The Peak Page. In fact, The Peak Page actually features six different high-performance planning tools on one page. To download your own Peak Page for free, visit avidacoaching.com peak. But for now... Back to my interview with Matt Herman. But you, um, when it comes to somebody sort of sitting down and saying, I don't know what that vision is, um, one of the things that you talk about is really just starting by looking at what are your values and determining what are your values, right? Tell us a a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so important. So what makes a good vision? Well, if your vision is not in accord with your values, It's not going to be fulfilling to you. And this is actually a big reason for people's dissatisfaction with life and frustration and even misery. They're living a vision that does not align with their values. Mm -hmm. Well, how does that happen? Well, because a lot of times we look to the social mirror into society to tell us what we should want and what our vision should be instead of listening to what we really want and getting into our conscience. And so what you need to do is develop the vision. God has actually given you not the the vision you think someone else wants you to have, or that society says you should have. Now, when I talk about, you know, listening to yourself, I don't mean this in maybe a over individualistic way, secular type of way. I mean, do that in conjunction with what God has said in his word. There's really two components to knowing our values. It's first knowing what God values, which comes from his word and in prayer. Then also he's wired you in a certain way and that matters. So know your uniqueness. And I think Stephen Covey does a great job talking about this. He says, you got to get not just into your inner life, but your deep inner life, get in touch with your conscience and get in touch with God, and know come to know what you value, and then have the courage to create a vision that's based on those real values, not the social mirror. Hmm.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Let's talk about the, the second reason people get unstuck, is that maybe they know what the vision is, but they're not sure how to get there, and that process piece. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Well, this goes, I I think here we are all negatively impacted by the tendency sometimes in the church to over spiritualize. This is the area that is so often not talked about by Christians, whether it seems unspiritual to talk about the practical side or, or who knows everything that's going on there. But we don't talk about this much. And so the first thing to know is if you're not sure how to get there, it's not necessarily your fault. There's not necessarily a lot of good teaching out there on this. We have to seek it out. We have to do a lot of our own thinking and reflection. Okay, so how do you find the path, figure out how to get to your vision, figure out how to get things done? My big solution in the book is learn the discipline of personal effectiveness, how to cross that gap between vision and reality. And there are things you can do, such as project plans. That's just cool. So here's something. Once you've developed a vision, maybe for, let's say, for your next five years, then the next step really is to brainstorm the actions that will get you there. You can just open up um, Microsoft Word or Google Docs or or do this on a sheet of paper. List what are the things I need to do to make this a reality. You might realize – hey, I'm not as healthy as I want to be. I need to start a regular exercise plan. You might realize there's a place you want to be in your career and you need a certification to get there. Who knows? I mean, there's probably all sorts of components. So list the actions that you need to take and then organize them. And they're going to fall together into natural groupings, health, finances, career, who knows? It'll be different for everybody. But organize them into natural groupings and then create some type of time-based plan. You can't do everything at once, but decide what am I going to do this month and then start reviewing that plan once a week in a weekly review and review is really the linchpin in personal effectiveness. If you make plans, but never look at them again, they are going to do you almost no good. So you have to have a discipline of reviewing your plans on a regular basis. And I recommend a weekly review. And in that weekly review, you refresh your memory of what you need to do. And then you say, okay, this week, what am I specifically going to be doing? And you take those actions and doing this. It's a long term thing. It's the consistency doing these things week by week, day by day, that adds up to the results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. So the third one, you mentioned, um, obstacles that people have and everybody's going to have a little bit different obstacle. You mentioned like somebody's uh, struggling with pain. Maybe somebody's obstacle is fear. Maybe somebody's obstacle is finance. Talk to us a little bit about when we face an obstacle to productivity and we get stuck, what are some ways that we can deal with that?
1: Yeah. Well, such a good question. The first thing is prayer. And once again, that can seem, cliche, but it really is so powerful because God identifies with you in the obstacles you encounter and in the suffering that you experience. So pray, pour out your emotions to the Lord if you're frustrated, if you're sad, whatever they are. Ask for help and insight. It's amazing how many times I see answers to those prayers, even relatively quickly Not everything necessarily, but sometimes within a couple hours, I'll come across something. I'm like, whoa, this totally answers my question. Hmm. So don't skip the prayer side of things and then learn specifically about the specific type of obstacle that you are facing. Uh, For example, one time I I, uh, refer to this a little bit in the book, Like, I was experiencing a type of chronic pain. I just had pain in my legs and lower back. And it was unpleasant to go about just most of my tasks for the first half of every day until the pain would subside. And I wasn't, I tried to figure out what that was and nothing was um, becoming clear. But then somehow I realized <laughs> It, that a major contributor to this was diet soda. I was drinking like 120 ounces of diet soda a day. Um, it was a nice break from writing and the other work <laughs> that I was doing. And I liked it better than water. Well, for some reason I went a couple of weeks without any diet soda. And all of a sudden I started feeling a lot better. And somehow I made, made the connection. It was the chemicals, the artificial sweeteners, because I was drinking so much of the diet soda that had an impact. And then I was able to make an adjustment. That's an example of something complicated. You're not always able to figure out the source of the problem, but sometimes you can. And with things like uh, distractions, interruptions, there are, there are actually productivity strategies that you can learn and make use of in order to minimize those things. So educating yourself on what those strategies are can really take you a long ways.
0: One of the things that we talk about in the coaching program that I do, and I know it, it just speaks to everything that you just said is, um, is just to make a list of everything you need in order to get where you're going, like what is the skill you need to learn? What's the you know what's the obstacle that you're facing? And then just to make a list. I mean, we live in a time where there's so many resources. Make a list of all the books you could read, all the podcasts you could listen to, the videos you could watch, the courses you could take, the mentors you could connect with. Yeah. Um, and just being really intentional about this is what's missing, and here's where I can go to get what I need. Is this, so it sounds like that's very similar to what you're saying, right? Just being really intentional yeah. about not letting that obstacle, get the best of you, or cause you to give up on the thing that you're called to or working towards, but to really just press in and say, listen, I know that there's an answer out there. I know God will be faithful in bringing me that answer and just pressing in. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Press in. There are solutions out there. Yeah. And dedicate the time. Really, so, you know, like right now, I realized I need to be concrete and dedicating time to reading. And so I have a certain number of hours I try to read every week. And I'm finding that to be so helpful. And you can do that with any type of problem that you're encountering or any major goal. Define time to set aside to it and be faithful in protecting that time. And you will be amazed at the progress that you can make.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Before we wrap up, what are some final words of advice that you would have for somebody who's feeling stuck right now and really wants to get that momentum again?
1: First advice is don't despair. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Don't despair over being stuck or feeling stuck because if you're trying to do important and significant things, you're going to get stuck. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. kind of the way it is. So don't despair. It happens to everyone. It's normal. It's natural. Second, believe that you can get unstuck. Mm. If you don't believe you can get unstuck, it's much less likely to happen. But if you believe it so often that is self-fulfilling and that's a common thread in the stories of those who have made great accomplishments and gotten unstuck in order to do those. Even Einstein, he was stuck trying to figure out the theory of general relativity. And he just, he kept at it. Mm. So perseverance pays big dividends. And that comes from believing that you can get unstuck. And then third, share with others in your community and get help from others. A lot of times they will have helpful insights And just that companionship is going to be useful. Sometimes people are going to say stupid and unhelpful things. Uh, Sometimes you just got to have a thick skin (laughs) about that and you've got to be able to discern it just because someone recommends something doesn't mean it's a good idea. But don't do it alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, our time has flown by way too fast. Um, But before we wrap up, we always like to close- with what we call our final five, five questions designed to further resource our listeners. So I'll start with other than the Bible, what's one book that changed your life and why?
1: I have to say John Piper's book, Desiring God.
0: Hmm.
1: I read it in college. Amazing book. The thesis is God wants us to seek happiness in him. So happiness is not icing on the cake of life. It's, essential to life. And that just changes everything. It's just, it is mind blowing. And so that, that one insight there has affected my life more than anything. And I learned it from that book, Desiring God.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Um, what's one podcast you're listening to now and why?
1: So I love vodcasts on YouTube And my favorite is PBS Space Time. It's on quantum physics and astrophysics and all that stuff. And I just, I find those things really fascinating. And so it's relaxing. Actually, many nights, that's how I go to sleep, listening to quantum physics vlog casts on on YouTube, especially PBS Space Time.
0: That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite Bible verse and why?
1: Well, I have so many favorite Bible verses, but one that of late is especially significant to me and, and stands out to me actually relates to productivity. So it's James 1.25 it says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And what I like about that is the emphasis on the practical. You need to act, not just hear, but do. And then at the end it says, you will be blessed in your doing. So the results will come. You will see benefit as you obey and as you persevere in doing good. It might take time but the blessing is going to come. That gives me such hope and encouragement.
0: Mm, That's so good. Matt, what's the best business advice you ever heard?
1: The best business advice is find out what the customer wants and give it to them. Because in business, the only way to succeed is if people buy your product or service <laughs> and they're not gonna do that unless you're doing something that they want.
0: Right. So, yeah.
1: It's the fundamentals. But um, to tweak that a little bit, you have to look not just for what the customers want, but what they're willing to pay for. So wants backed by purchasing power, those are called market demands. So you actually have to look for the market demands, once backed by purchasing power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, usually we ask for um, advice for our listeners, but you've given us so much great advice already that I want to use this point just to mention that you do actually have coaching available. Is that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. At our website, whatsbestnext.com, you can learn about our coaching and you can sign up for it. I'm one of our coaches and we have a couple other coaches as well who are great. One of our newest coaches, his name is Daniel. He worked at Chick-fil-A Corporate for many years with training. And so he has a training and coaching background from Chick-fil-A. He's a new coach. We are so excited about him. So you can sign up to work with him or work with me. And we've got a couple different packages that you can choose from.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Matt, would you mind taking a moment and praying over our listeners before we close?
1: Yeah, absolutely. God, we thank you for this time, and we've talked about a lot of things. There's so much to to learn about productivity, and there are so many obstacles that we all encounter, and we pray you would make the things we've talked about useful and helpful to those who are listening. And we pray that you would encourage them from James 1.25, that they would not just be hearers of your word but doers, and that you would bless them in their doing. So give them effectiveness in their work and in their lives. Give them encouragement. Give them optimism, hope, energy, motivation, and inspiration, and a a flourishing life for the, the good of your world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'd like to thank my guest, Matt Perman, for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where you can find Matt online at dawnsadler.com slash 034. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. The Your Purposes Calling Podcast is brought to you by Avada Christian Coaching. Sign up for our free weekly coaching emails at avadacoachingcom slash subscribe. This has been the Your Purposes Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.